Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This week, liquor, music, gods, a drunk lady rattling off the names of animals. We play one of my very favorite episodes of Beyond Belief, a segment of the late lamented Thrilling Adventure Hour. Later, I'll chat with one of the writers of that program, Ben Acker. All this and more, coming up on Radio Drama Revival. Hey, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of audio drama, past, present, and future. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. Anyone who was lucky enough to live in Hollywood, California, America for the last ten years had a shot at seeing one of the tentpole elements of the radio drama revival, the Thrilling Adventure Hour. This was a live show, hosted first at M-Bar and then at Largo at the Coronet, a venue that's home to a lot of the alternative crowd of comics that came up in the 1990s. Paul Shear and company record live episodes of How Did This Get Made at Largo. Paul F. Tompkins records his podcast, Spontanea Nation, at Largo. Superego records at Largo. My friend Amy painted a portrait of Jeff Garland that hangs in the men's room at Largo. In 2011, the Thrilling Adventure Hour began podcasting, and it swiftly became very popular. It's the creation of two men, Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, and you'll hear my conversation with Ben Acker later in this episode. The Thrilling Adventure Hour is a non-stop carnival of pastiche. Everything is a reference to a reference to a reference. The show ostensibly takes place in the 40s because it takes place in this absurdly patriotic America. The show is sponsored by the fictitious Work Juice Coffee and Patriot Brand Cigarettes. They're good for your constitution. Basically, it's one great big obvious wink at the audience, so you have to prepare yourself for an hour of nothing but self-aware silliness. My friends Michael and Megan got to see one of their last live shows, and I was super jealous. Thrilling Adventure is a magazine format show, comprised of a bunch of different serials, each with their own set of characters, theme song, you name it. I'm especially fond of the theme songs, and so is the fandom community for the show. You can hear how enthusiastically people sing along when the cast sits on panels at conventions. Each one of these serials is, like I said, a pastiche, some cheerful deconstruction of classic radio or film tropes. There's Sparks, Nevada, Marshall on Mars, a western, Moonshine Holler, a hobo adventure, The Adventures of Captain Laserbeam, a superhero serial, and the program I'm going to play for you today, an episode of Beyond Belief, sort of a cross between the lovable drunk detective couple in the Thin Man films and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The couple encounters a supernatural phenomenon, then they banter about it, and through it all they down martinis like Prohibition is going to come back. This episode is one of my favorites. Not only does it have the stars of the show, Padgett Brewster and Paul F. Tompkins, but it also features some of those alternative comedy titans that made their home at Largo. Keep your ears open for Scott Aukerman, Patton Oswalt, and Chris Hardwick. Oh, and it also has a song in it. Get into your favorite listening position and enjoy. White Hunter, Trunk Heart. An episode of Beyond Belief from the Thrilling Adventure Hour. It's time to send the little ones to dreamland and set your radio's dial to spooky. 
bolt the doors, lock your windows, and steal yourself a mysterious suspense in this evening's final feature, Beyond Belief. Meet Frank and Sadie Doyle, the toast of the upper crust. Headliners on the society pages. And oh yes, they see ghosts. Who cares what evil lurks in the hearts of men? Unless evil's carrying the martini tray, darling. <laughs> here's to us, here's to you and me. And the bottle and that makes three. As they walk beyond belief in tonight's dark episode, White Hunter, Drunk Heart. <laughs> Our story begins on the sub-Saharan plains of Africa, an ancient and wild land. But as the morning sun crests the Serengeti, its primeval gods awake. Over the beasts, 
You have awoken the primeval gods of Africa with your yelling. <laughs> yes, wherever is the fire, Age, god over the beasts? I'm sorry to have woken you, brother gods. I was calling for my favorite lion. He never came home last night. Uh, who, Jake? Yeah, Jake. So, I was calling to him in his spirit form, in the language of the lion spirit. Spirit? So Jake's... dead? I'm afraid so. He told me he was shot by big game hunters. I'm sorry, Age. Jake, man. Friggin' Jake. <laughs> I, Tano, God over the rivers, also offer my condolences... Jake never took more than he needed for my rivers. He was gentle when he bathed in them. Yes, as lions go, Jake was great. What do you mean, as lions go? Nothing. He was great, as lions go. Lions are among the best beasts. Yes, as beasts go, lions are great. <laughs> Where is this coming from, Arabati God over the sky? No, listen. Now's not the time. Respect to Jake. Uh, if you'd like to take issue with me and the beasts, I'd like to know about it. It can wait. I feel like your, your birds don't respect my clouds. Like, at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll talk to them. Thank you. Anyone else? No. No. Good. Now, watch as I take vengeance upon the big game hunters who shot Jake. Ooh, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm thinking of a plan. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, okay. This is good. I'm going to scare these big game hunters to death. All right? Scare them ever out of ever hunting ever, ever again. Sounds scary. It is. Well, uh, how will you scare them? Okay, this is great. I am going to take the form of a giant lion and scare the hunt out of these hunters. I... wait, what? Yeah, I'll take the form of the biggest lion ever, like, like... Ten feet tall, or, or, or eleven. <laughs> Scare these hunters so bad, they'll never hunt again. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so, what you're saying is, you're going to take the form of big game, literally the biggest game, <laughs> to scare big game hunters? It's what Jake would have wanted. I, I, I recommend that you don't do this. You <laughs> You know what you are, Aribati, God over the sky? A worry wart. I, would you guys help me out? Tano, God over the river? I think it's a good plan. Oh. <laughs> Ironic. <laughs> what? <laughs> Barapinu, God over the jungle green. I, I like Jake. His mane was fluffy. <laughs> Does no one else see this ending badly for Age, God over the beast? Okay, you guys, watch me turn into a lion. <laughs> You look just like Jake! But
foot bigger. You got the mane right. <laughs> well, I'm God of the Beast, right? Hey, hey, listen to this. Roar! <laughs> Please, Age, just spend two more seconds thinking about this. <laughs> Too late, I'm lying. See ya. <laughs> there he goes, that fluffy, angry, glorious god. Those hunters are going to be so scared of Age. I, I hope Age remember to retain a godly aspect and not just turn into a big lion. <laughs> what? <laughs> of course he did. Yeah, he, he must have. Uh-huh. Do, you think, do, you, do you think he didn't? I, Barapanu, god over the jungle green, can feel the hunters. They're nearing through the trees, on the brush... A lot of plant interaction, these hunters. I, Arabati, got over the sky, feel them too, making their way through the air, which is part of the sky. <laughs> I, Tano, god of the rivers, cannot feel them, but I, but I see them there, riding that elephant. <laughs> oh, Frank, j'adore so Yes, love, nothing can compare to riding snookered upon a pachyderm, proving dominion over all God's creatures. Yes, like that lion we shot yesterday. Ah. Oh, Sadie, love, when on safari, one doesn't shoot things, one bags things. As in, do you remember that lion we bagged yesterday? Oh, or it's 9 a.m. and already I'm half in the bag. (laughs) (laughs) two thirds. Shall we beg today, darling? Oh, well, whatever you fancy, my love. I want to shoot a hippo. No, a rhino. No, an antelope. Oh, no, a cheetah. No, a jaguar. Oh, no, a zebra. No, a giraffe. Oh, no, a baboon. Oh, no, a wildebeest. No, a hyena. Oh, no, a gazelle. Oh, a water buffalo. Oh, Frank. I simply cannot choose just one. There's no need. It's an all-you-can-shoot buffet out here. Now, what would you like to shoot first? A zebra. No, a jaguar. No, a... Sadie? Think for a second. (laughs) Drink for a second. (laughs) There are those hunters. the size of that lion. Frank, I believe I've decided what I'd like to shoot first. (laughs) They are believing it. (laughs) Oh, man, they are so scared of me. (laughs) Roar! Does that lion look familiar, Frank? Well, I never forget a lion, my dear. That one looks like the one we bagged yesterday. Shall we bag this one, too? Let's! Keep being scared, keep being scared. As I come closer, you will lose your minds with fear. Oh, I hope he comes closer. <laughs> I am coming closer. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. <laughs> they are so scared. I am so excited. <laughs> I am so drunk. <laughs> I can't believe how great it is going to be. And what happens next as I pounce? 
Oh, I... <laughs> well, Sadie, that was the king of the jungle you just bagged. Congratulations on committing your second regicide for the trip. For a total of three career regicides. Oh, congratulations to you for aiding and abetting. Enter you, elephant underneath. You are complicit. <laughs> well, you didn't stop us, did you? You have been lucky in lines this trip, Sadie. What would you like to kill next? This bottle. And done. Please retrieve the next one from this elephant's pouch. You're thinking of kangaroos, but I catch your drift. Oh. Not literally adrift, the wind. So blustery. You know, it never fails. I lean over an elephant and go through its saddlebags for one bottle for one moment, and when I come back up, the day's gone dark, the underbrush is more like overbrush, and is it me or are those trees creeping closer? And the river is leering at us. Well, here's your glass refilled. Oh, all is well then. <laughs> Except the trees, sky, and river. Sure. But who cares about that sort of thing when there's this sort of thing? Oh. <laughs> well, if I had to guess who cares, I'd say these fellows shimmering into view likely do. Ooh. <laughs> Hello, enormous African fellows. I am Arabati, God over the sky. And I am Bera Penu, God over the jungle green. I am Tano, God over the great rivers and streams. And I am Frank, God over my wife. Under. Quite. <laughs> and this is Sadie, Lord of all she surveys. We're on safari. And Frank said I could shoot whatever I wish. A veiled threat. Finley. Hmm. <laughs> Perhaps let's not shoot at gods, Sadie. But you have already shot one, arousing our fury. For today you have felled our brother god, Arge, god of the beasts. Arge, who took the form of a great lion named Jake to so terrify they who felled his favorite lion. Well, that seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> kind of gods will we be if we let mortals shoot one of our own? Forgiving? <laughs> Who ever heard of a forgiving god? <laughs> there can be no forgiveness. Well, thank you not to take that tone with my wife. Yes, you're not the god of me. <laughs> but we are the gods of this place! Uh, don't be alarmed, love, but those trees look angry. Those trees are cute when angry. <laughs> Do not make small my trees. I shake my leaves at you. Shake, shake, shake. Oh, look, Frank. They're friendly trees waving hello. Hello. God damn. Who are these people? A, a shuddering tree is seen by the natives as a horrible omen. Hello, tree. I'm Sadie. I thought I committed regicide today, but I committed deicide. <laughs> Hello. 
No, God, that is not waving at you. Stop that. It says a portent. It spells your doom. Afternoon, tree. This is Frank. Uh, what kind of tree are you? I like lemon trees and lime trees and olive trees the best. Are you one of those? No, God. <laughs> I am not... Any kind of tree of fury. This is not working. Brother of the river, will you please see to these mortals? Yes. Well, look, the river's scowling again. Darling, let's not go into the river. (laughs) You do and you'll be sorry. Yes, well, then we won't. But if you do, we won't. We'll see that you don't. Why, Frank, whatever's come over me, I feel like a dip in the river. Oh, I feel the same. Hold on, darling, whilst I strip to my skivvies and join you. (laughs) Now we're getting somewhere. They are pulling your leg, Tano. Really? Afraid so. I'm sorry. (laughs) Darling, I... Oh, our body, brother of the sky. Show them what the wind can do. My hair! Now you cut that out this instant. And in the next instant, direct us to the nearest Ibex. Oh, is that what you care to shoot next, love? Feathers will go everywhere, I suspect. Oh, my God. And Ibex is a sort of goat. It doesn't have fucking feathers. Brother God's... Brother gods, as much as I have no sympathy for Age, these mortals cannot be allowed to ensmall us. No, no mortal shall ever chump a god. That's basic. Yeah. Well, what are we supposed to do? I mean, Age was the one that could really mess with the mortals. I mean, you know, beasts, they have the teeth and the claws and stuff. What if... Oh, hey, here's a crazy idea. What? What if I use my winds to carry the river over near these guys? Keep talking. Could you mess him up with the river if it were over here? You you really think you could move the river with just wind? Whoa, what does that mean? (laughs) Just with wind. Wind is really powerful. So you could? No, not the whole river, but just a part of it. Enough to get them. I mean, could you get them with a part of that river over here? If you got a part with piranhas in it, yeah. Excuse us. See, this is exactly what I mean. Animals, man. It's like you need teeth. You need claws. Piranhas don't have claws. No, I know that they don't have claws. Look! It's those people whom you gods wish to get. And and they've gotten down off their elephant. And they've fixed fresh drinks. And they've consumed those drinks. And made more. And consumed those. And made more. And consumed those and made more. I wonder what those charming people are up to now. Well, I'm too tootle to tell for certain, but it looks as if they've taken their rifles and pointed them at a sapling. Whoa, 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 hey, 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 don't do that. Why, their rifles are as loaded as they are. No, that sapling has his whole life ahead of it. Uh, don't worry, Barapanuha, I'm getting some river. Get a real piranha-y part. I wouldn't, friend, or this sapling is toothpicks. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. No, wait, put put down the river. Put I, down the river. I will not be made to jump! Maybe you should put down my river because I'm getting a little airsick. 
I don't know how long I cannot pull this trigger. So do it! Just an overgrown stick. Hair <gasps> a body! Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god, 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 oh my god. Barra Panu, I. I am so sorry. You touch me! Just an overgrown stick? That's what you said. Those were your words. Look, I put the river back. Man, I. I don't know what to say. Whilst you're thinking, would one of you strapping deities load that lion onto our elephant? It'll look smashing in our suite, a real conversation piece. From the glowing it's doing, it'll have to be a short conversation held right now. Uh, our dead lion's turning into a person. Boo! <laughs> we already have people for our apartment. Wow, guys, I think I got shot. Oh, what, what gave it away, Age? I heard a bang and then everything went white. Well, how'd you come back? I kept a godly aspect just in case. I told you he would. Uh, well, you were right then, weren't you, all right? Don't make a thing of it. So, um, you're the god of the beasts? Uh, yeah, so you're one of those hunters? Can I ask you, were you scared? Oh, sure. Mm. Uh, other gods... As this god has returned, I assume you are no longer interested in vengeance on his behalf. Well, let's just say no and call it a draw. Hmm. Sensible. No need to see us out. We'll just be on our elephant and way, respectively. Wait! The right of vengeance was not theirs alone. Were you so frightened of me that you renounced hunting? Oh, yes, yes, quite. <laughs> Age got over the beasts. Two points. <laughs> yes, on the topic of beasts, you wouldn't happen to know where we could find an ibex, would you? Uh, yeah, uh, wait, why? No reason. Oh, okay, well, um, there's a whole bunch of them just past the clearing over there, just through those trees. <laughs> All right, well, much obliged, gods of Africa. So long. Hello to the bottom of this bottle. <laughs> It seems Frank and Sadie have developed a real Afrikandu attitude when it comes to deicide. The gods must be crazy to tangle with them. Join the Doyles next time when they again walk beyond belief in a terror-filled episode titled Zombies, Tramps, and Thieves. That was White Hunter, Drunk Heart by the Work Juice Players. The Work Juice Players still work together. We're talking about actors you might have loved in Freaks and Geeks, like Busy Phillips or Linda Cardellini, or Paget Brewster from Criminal Minds, or comedian Paul F. Tompkins, or Hal Lublin, who occasionally appears on and tours with Welcome to Night Vale. And every once in a while, they all join up for a special occasion show, like they did for San Francisco Sketchfest. And that's what allowed me to meet up with Ben Acker in person. Here we are, in conversation at his hotel in San Francisco. Ben Acker, welcome to Radio Drama Revival. Thank it you for having me. Great to have you on the show. <laughs> Thank you. He's doing dramatic hand gestures, and they're only for me. They're only for you. <laughs> well, you know, they say radio is a very intimate medium. To you and, and your partnership, first of all, I want to talk to you about you and your friendship with Ben Blacker. The two I of accept you been... the conditions of the following <laughs> question. Uh, the two of you have been friends for a long time. Work uh, friends. Work friends. But but also life friends, best buds. You yeah. met 
at Syracuse University. Correct. Uh, according to a profile I read, you were both waiting in the same line wow. for something. What Did Do you remember work. what you were in line we for? Each of us transferred into the film school from the School of Arts and Sciences to the School of Dramatic Arts, I want to say. Okay. Visual performing, that's what it was, visual performing arts, and we were getting our... Um, Class schedule, course schedule requirements. I don't know something from film school as opposed to non-film school. What were the circumstances like? How did you know that you were going to be friends? What, what was the moment? Well, each of us uh, had a professor the previous semester, and mine was named Scotty, and his was named Kathy, and these professors were best friends, mm-hmm. and they had a habit of of swapping their favorite students. Like of of which I was Scotty's and he was Kathy's. Okay. So they would like. Blacker was told by Kathy, "Hey, take Scotty's class; it's fun." So he did. I was told by Scotty, "Hey, if you want a challenge." When I had already tuned out, because uh, I was <laughs> freshman year, I didn't want a challenge. So the three of them were hanging out in the coffee shop where those types go. Okay. Uh, and wondering whatever happened to that other guy whose name is Close. So when we went in line, when we were in line, and I heard him say his name, uh, I thought, well, that's ridiculously similar to mine, and introduced myself, and Blacker's response was, oh, you're dumb. You were supposed to be hanging out with us for a semester. Come hang out with us now. Mm-hmm. And with an opening like, you're dumb. Sure. What am I going to do? It's a classic, classic neg. Cl- yeah. He negged me into a, a friendship and partnership. We haven't really talked much since. But that You're Dumb was like, I'm hooked. When when was the first time the two of you wrote something together? Do you After college. Uh, I want to say we collaborated on a short film script, but I think I might be lying. Okay. Uh, we might have done some something in college, but I believe it was after college. Because you stayed at Syracuse. He went to Boston. Emerson. Okay. In Boston. He went to Emerson yeah. College in Boston. They taught him how to write TV. Mm-hmm. And I moved to L.A., where they write TV, and had the opportunity to write TV and show it to someone, and I did not know how to write TV. So we got together, and we wrote, like, several crappy Buffy specs. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, they would be called fan fiction, <laughs> but at the time, they were just spec scripts, sample episodes of existing shows, and it was the best. Writing together was, we realized the thing we were each missing from writing, so... We became writing partners, tried writing every which way together, and every which way it worked. Uh, and our sensibilities are overwhelmingly overwhelmingly similar. Uh, so it was a good partnership. When you write a script, let's say you write a television script, okay. does one of you break the story and then hand the other no. over? How does What is the process that you've settled on now? We break the story together. Okay. Uh, and then one of us or the other will take a first pass at a first draft. Okay. And then we just pass it back and forth. Sure. So Sparks Nevada mm-hmm. uh, started as a screenplay that you wrote with Ben, mm-hmm. and you were doing a round. T- you were doing. Let's a start first earlier week. than let's, that. Let's go. Okay. So where did where did Sparks Nevada come from originally? Like where is I that? I saw I saw on um, an atlas in an atlas that it's a town, Sparks Nevada. Mm-hmm. It was like that's the action hero, and at the time I was in college, Nickelodeon. This might be too much backstory. Nickelodeon was running a thing where you would write a spec of their shows and so I came up with an episode of Pete and Pete. Okay. Featuring uh the guy who played the hero that one of the Pete's grew up watching on T V mm-hmm. was now working at a shoe store. Okay. And so it was like that was the beginning of like Sparks Nevada, the action hero. 
uh, when Blacker and I started writing together. Oh, and I never I, I came up with that idea, I should say, and then never wrote it. Um, so when and then when Blacker and I started working together, uh, we needed to write spec scripts for TV shows. So we wrote a Malcolm in the Middle, where they went to a sci-fi convention, and it was like they went to go see their hero Sparks Nevada, who was doing an appearance at this convention, uh, and. In doing that, we came up with a lot of the astrophists, astro, astrospurs, robot fists, mm-hmm. I'm from Earth, like the stuff around, the catchphrasey stuff, the, the the stuff around it, and we were like, this is enough stuff to like write a script. Did you know Mark Evan Jackson when you came up with that character? No. Okay. No, in fact, we in in writing the feature, we cast uh, a friend of mine uh, who who's an actor named Holmes Osborne, who was the dad in Donnie Darko. And Bring It On and Election. He was a lot of dads in a lot of movies. And he okay. was the dad to my next door neighbor freshman year of college, Holmes the third. Uh, so he was he's a working actor in LA and, and a real Oshuck Scary Cooper type. And awesome. we cast him to play Sparks and it was great. And when we started figuring out that we were gonna do the stage show, uh, we realized that he did not live exclusively in Los Angeles mm-hmm. so much as only in LA when he had work. So he, he wasn't going to be able to play the part, but I had seen Mark Evan Jackson in, I believe, one long-form improv show at Second City. Okay. And then... In Los I Angeles s- or in Chicago? In Los Angeles. Okay. And then, with my brain set to, we need to cast Sparks Nevada, saw him again and went, that's the guy. It's so much of what I love about uh, Throwing Adventure Hour is that it's it's pastiche, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and And some things are, to my ear immediately recognizable as coming from like a couple of real readily identifiable sources so beyond belief is at least partially influenced by thin man oh sure uh i i see a lot of sullivan's travels in moonshine holler probably and i was wondering where if if there is a similar genesis in that regard for the western milieu that you use for sparks nevada yeah i feel like or is it just sort of an amalgamation of every like John Ford movie you've ever seen? I feel like it's not even that. I feel like it came out of the things we liked that liked the things that you're talking about. Okay. Like, I feel like we watched Raiders, and Raiders was an amalgam of all the serials that, sure. if we were 20, 30 years older, have informed Sparks Nevada. But For instead, the... we get distilled, the distilled version. But we still know that, like, at its core, Sparks is Flash Gordon plus... Um, uh, the Lone Ranger, mm-hmm. you know, like it's that, and I think we had. I mean, we knew that. I'm not sure how much Lone Ranger I was exposed to. There was a movie in the '80s, sure, you know, uh, and yeah, Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon and that kind of space here, like that's part of it. Um, but, but yeah, it Jackson was, brought his reluctant indiana jones character well no it was that was the thing it was always like indiana jones and our like one of our favorites is bill murray and jackson is a real bill murray-ish okay. type guy sure so like our sensibilities mesh cleanly there but yeah he brought a comic perspective of more i guess more reluctant uh and more petty mm-hmm. and more uh goofy but it's i mean it's a collab when done well if you have an actor, writing can be a great collaboration. So, I remember hearing Jackson say in like a behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. clip from the podcast that you started you started writing to his voice such that the asides that he used to put out of the write. script 
Yeah, he would. He started finding in the script, or we, was it we, the other way around? It was both. We would um, we would write some ers and ums and yes and and interruptions and interjections, and he would do those and more. Like we would do those because he would do them, and then we would take them out because we knew he would do them. <laughs> so it went both ways for the script for this uh, for the show that we've got that will already have passed by the time this comes out. I expect. But we're doing a show on Saturday night. There is a Sparks Nevada piece in it. And I wrote another character had has a bit of a monologue, which we tend not to do very often. We tend to have shorter bits of, of dialogue. But he goes on for a bit, and I realized that when we used to do that, we knew that Jackson would interrupt it. So mm-hmm. we didn't need to break up the speech with his conversation. It made me feel good that... I was doing that bit again. What do you find most appealing about writing for audio as opposed to writing for the screen? What are the... Oh, what do you I will like tell about? you this. I will tell you exactly what I find that is the best about writing audio. Uh, stage directions are the worst. <laughs> they are... Ter- they tend to be a real drag. They tend to be unnecessary. Uh, they tend to be um, a lack of confidence in the dialogue. Like, you don't need to... Uh, worry about what an actor's eyes are doing or hands are doing if you're writing a thing. You can just, here's the action of the scene, and then write a scene. But you can't, because people got to read it and people got to know what's going on. But if you're uh, the people like the people who are making the thing, the executives mm-hmm. have to know, sure. this is what's going on. The, the the props people have to maybe get a thing that they're playing with. In this. You have to be more specific when you can see and hear what the actors are doing. Mm-hmm. There is maybe a point where they have to walk across the room. That's important. So you got to say that in the script. But it really breaks up the read and makes it a less elegant document. Sure. But if you're writing just what can be seen, I mean, I'm sorry, just what can be heard in an audio document, that is a lean piece of writing. And you got to get it all out. In in the dialogue, you gotta like, you just got everything's got to be there. Sure. You know? So if I were to look at a thrilling adventure hour script or just an Acker and Blacker mm-hmm. audio script, mm-hmm. would it? What do when you have like a sound effect? Would it say, "Oh, we've got one here." So for the audience, it's dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. Then in the margin, sound effects, knock, knock, knock on window. And I've learned to be specific in, specific in those because our uh, audio designer, Kyan Chris Conroy, uh, that's all he has to go on. Right. So if he, if I, sometimes I'll give him Cosmic Hurricane or something and see what he brings me. Sure. Sometimes I will have something more specific in mind. But knock, knock, knock on the window, as opposed to knock, knock on the window, I want three of them. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And also on the window, not just knock, knock, Right, because it needs to have that sound quality. But not someone knocks on the window three right. times. He doesn't need to know. He's going to get from a knocking mm-hmm. that it's a person doing Sure. Okay. But, uh, oh, and we've, in case you're following along at home, the music cues are in bold. This is arguably interesting. 14-point font because it's easier to read. What are the limitations of the form for you? What what you is really can't see anything. That would be <laughs> like the number one drawback of audio theater is you can't see it. Um, and I don't know you with like a radio play. I, it's all variations on you can't see it. Like I would love to build a, a Mars and shoot some stuff. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. Um, 
yeah, that's not a drawback. But with the perk of an audio the- audio play is you can just do it. You can just put your story out. I noticed that you and Blacker did some episodes for uh, the Puss in Boots spinoff for for DreamWorks, the net for Netflix thing. Mm-hmm. How did that How did that come about? Um, our representative sent an animation script to DreamWorks. Uh, a guy named Doug Langdale, who was running Puss in Boots, read it. Said these guys are good at writing. <clears throat> Brought us in to see if we agreed, and we did. So he hired us to write. Uh, some Puss in Boots, like a regular staff writer gig, standard Hollywood protocols. Cool. Do you think you'll do more writing for kids in the future like that? or Probably not like that. Um, we have written all sorts of TV. We've written on the show Supernatural. Uh, we just got off of an FXX, nearly a show, um, called Cassius and Clay, that unfortunately will not see the light of day, but was the best show ever. What, what is that? Cassius and Clay was by the creator uh, creators of Archer, mm-hmm. so it was animated in that style, and it was a post-apocalyptic Dukes of Hazard with strong female protagonists, and it was... Uh, I remember reading about that. Where did it go? It went away. That is a shame. It is several shames. It yeah. was a dream to work on. Everyone involved uh, was wonderful, and we missed them every day. Is, is They're all a, still alive. They're all just dead in a ditch. Is no, 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 alive and not a ditch. Will there be anything that comes out of that? Will there be like concept art or... Oh, well, well, that's something. Just friendships. Maybe someday someone will leak the pilot that was animated. Okay. Maybe not. Who knows? If you're listening, now is the time. Now is not the time. Now is not the time. Now is not the time. Ignore Take your what time, I just said. Leakers. Where, so where do you think this medium of podcast fiction is going? Have you have you? Are, do you listen to a lot of other podcasts, or are you? What I is do your listen media to a diet? lot of podcasts. Okay, yes. uh, I don't listen to a lot of po- audio fiction podcasts. Okay, uh, have you heard um, the worst idea of all time? No, dude. These is two, this the title? Oh, that's the name of a okay. podcast. These two New Zealand comedians uh, watch the movie Grown Ups two every week for a year. I heard about that, and, and then I'm after so that year, sorry. after that year. Sex in the City too. Is that the one where they go to Saudi Arabia? That's yes. The characters of Sex in the City. The comedians stay. Do not. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's yeah. great. <laughs> what, what What does that even feel like? It for feels them? like listening to people go slowly insane incrementally. So Some you listen. Work. You listen to like a handful of. I'm sure. Um, I listen to the ones everybody listens to. Mm-hmm. Your serial. Your Radio Lab. Your. Uh, What's the one Starley does? Mystery show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this American Life. Like, I'm listening to the regular diet, and I'm listening to a bunch of other ones. Doug Love Movies. How? All the, you know, oh, the sorry. regular. The regular how, ones. How did you encounter Welcome to Night Vale at first? Uh, before the hullabaloo about it. Mm-hmm. Before, I think the way they got huge was on Tumblr through yes. the Hannibal fandom. Yes. About six months before that. Uh, Blacker sent me a link and we listened uh, and we liked it and we got in touch with those guys to say hello they came to our next show in New York uh, at the Bell House we you know met them and introduced them around and they had been trying to figure out how to do their live show and so they saw our live show and so they planned their first live show to coincide with our, our return to New York and so the next time we came to New York the night before our show, they did a show with a lot of our people okay. in it. And I, I believe that's out. You can listen to it. The uh, 
a crossover? No. Oh. It was like an election, uh, like debates. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, their first live show, if not their first, near to their first. And it was amazing. Uh, just the fan response to every like sure. a character like it was a bunch of Fonzies coming on stage like just hi I'm this character's name people screaming like the Beatles are there it was crazy what did that what did that do for your own fan base how did that because that was when did that happen 2013 14 it wasn't that long ago it wasn't that long ago um, I think that the crossover did the thing that you, you would hope a crossover does sure expose their fans to us, our fans to them, and grow both fan bases. And I think it did that. It was fun to play with them. It was fun to cross those worlds. So you're here in San Francisco because you are. We're uh, the Work Juice Players are putting on. Are you still calling them the Work Juice Players? I think so. The Work Juice Players are putting on another thrilling adventure hour style show mm-hmm. with a lot of those characters returning. Mm-hmm. But this isn't the the show is as we knew it over. Mm-hmm. You ran it for 10 years and mm-hmm. now it is done. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any other plans to produce new audio drama in the future with Blacker? Mm, we talk about it a little. Like there's there's some there's some stuff we talk about and I think that all the like the show that we're doing on Saturday will make its way to the to the pod world. Um, but yeah, we're focusing right now on trying to get some TV shows and other projects out. Sure. Uh, but all like our plans are to work with the work juice players for the rest of our careers. Sure, so, uh, everything we're pitching is, and and then we'll bring in our people. That's you know that's fantastic. It really is. Isn't it nice to just have like your ensemble, just like a bunch of people, the most ready talented to go? troop in the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Have you considered doing a studio piece? Because yeah, I know we did one. We did like when we launched the podcast. We had the Tales from the Black Lagoon. Was oh, that's right. That is stuff. that is all studio stuff. Mm-hmm. What What's the story <clears throat> behind? Because that's your that's the Hollywood noir mm-hmm. segment, sure, and that sure. didn't that didn't run for for super long. Did nope. it? It was finite. That was in our very first episode of our very first show mm-hmm. ten years ago at M Bar. The middle segment was Tales from the Black Lagoon, and we ran that Hollywood noir trilogy as you know it through the first probably year of the show um, and when we left Embar in the month between going from Embar to Largo and Largo was the beginning of us recording for podcast we did a like a stage play walking around mm-hmm. no scripts in hand theater version of the trilogy and it was great and we loved it but it felt too soon to put it back on its feet as part of the stage show Especially as we were introducing the stage show to new, to a new audience, uh, but we had the material, so we thought it would be a neat, a, a neat experiment to also to to see how it works in the studio. So we recorded it there, and part of the thinking was experiment and cool, and let's not make a serialized piece of a heavily serialized piece of the show besides maybe Sparks for the new audience, but let's also um, the show breaks down into three segments. Um, like the stage show, we'll have a, usually a Sparks Nevada, a, a rotating middle segment, and a Beyond Belief. And so if we're podcasting that, that's three out of the four months, th- three out of the four weeks of the month that we have material. Mm-hmm. So the interest of having something for the fourth month, fourth week of the month for a while, having the studio thing in our pocket meant we have four weeks of programming. Sure. So we'll have a consistent podcast. Cool. 
Yeah. So there's this there's this movement going within audio drama where there have been a lot of a lot of productions that play on serial that use the structure of serial. In really? Order to, yes. All right. Some of them are actually really no interesting. It's a good structure. Um, there's there's this one called Limetown that was. Have you, have I you have, listened to? I have it in my queue. I haven't listened to it yet. Do we I call them queues? I've got it. I mean to listen. Because you did the, um, what's that character's name? Gene Peoples? Mm-hmm. What, uh, I'm sorry, what's the name of that segment? Uh, the United Solar System Alliance. Tales of the USSA. I will tell you this, behind the scenes story. There was, it crossed over into Sparks, Nevada. Mm-hmm. And there was a bit with his parents and blowing up, uh, oh, the Bad Bats Maru. What do you guys call it? Thing. Kobayashi Maru, I think. Right. So, I was like... In, in writing our, our take on it. Cause, this, is, you know, this is, for reference in Star Trek, this is a, uh, a simulation. An unwinnable test. Right. An unwinnable th- simulation that, that Kirk wins. By cheating. By cheating. By, not by cheating. By, uh, by being met up. By going outside and reprogramming the computer or something like that. That was giving the test. I don't know. I don't know. I don't watch the Star Treks, but I feel like I can outright it. Okay. So... I came up with some, st- like, I, I called my friend who's a total Star Trek knowing person and found out enough about that to to do the pastiche and art thing, and then was like, and then I gave it a good think, and then I came up with stuff that solved it, and I called him up to say, does this work? And no, it doesn't work, because people have been trying to crack that for 75 years or however long Star Trek's been around. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of the best sci-fi writers in the world have all taken a shot at it. And it doesn't work because they made up arbitrary rules that prevent the things, that, the workarounds from working around. Mm-hmm. You can't get photon torpedoes through a force field. You can't teleport through... You can't teleport through a force field in Star Trek. That doesn't make sense. That's so dumb! This magic doesn't work against that magic. Is pretty dumb. I don't mean to turn this into a no. Star Trek's pretty dumb, but you should be able to teleport through a force field. Is that is that a double mumbo jumbo thing? Is that yeah. a uh... yeah? It's a hat on a hat on a horse. Have yeah. you read you've read Save the Cat? Is that no. a Save the Cat thing? Oh, okay. Save what is hat on a hat on a horse? There's um, an expression in writers' rooms that is a hat on a hat, where you're like you've already got the joke, but you're trying to put another joke that doesn't need to be there on okay. top of the first joke. And when we started in writer's rooms, we decided that... Because writer's room slang is built on the slang that comes out of other writer's rooms that writers take with them mm-hmm. to the writer's room that they land in. So there's generally agreed-upon stuff, but there's also specific stuff that spreads as writers move from job to job. And Blacker and I talked about inventing some slang that we just would use as if it was stuff that everybody used. So had on a horse was one of those. Like, oh, you're trying, you're pitching a hat on a horse. Which would, I think we would say, is a joke in a scene that doesn't need a joke. Uh, don't sell candy to, don't sell a cookie to the cookie man. That was another one. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't know what they mean. We were just coming up with slangy nonsense. So, hat on a horse. Were there, do, do you and Blacker have like a, a secret writer's room language that you used for, for Thrilling Adventure? or We, only in as much as it's referring to other things we've written, mm-hmm. like this character is a Dilks or something like okay. that. That's like referring to. So you have a shorthand. For... Like this is this this will be a Cactoid Jim mm-hmm. character, which I think other people would say Mary Sue. Um, but you know, nah, I don't so know. a character that can do no wrong and is just impossibly talented. Yeah, but for us means that it frustrates the hero 
Because, and, because and Cactoid Jim is, and is also not. Is flawed, yeah. And also is flawed. So it's not it's not exactly a Mary Sue. Uh, but I, I I try and use the tumble. I can't. I'm, I'm, a old, I'm a very old person. I'm like 80. Listeners, that's not true. No, he's a listeners, baby. I'm a spry baby. He is as youthful as Janie is supposed to be in Weekend Dracula, which is Nate <laughs> Teen's winking emoticon. Yeah, that is the best. That is the best joke in, in Weekend Dracula. Look it up. It's on the internet. Heard of it? Google it. Google the internet and then turn left, and you'll find Weekend Dracula. All right. All right. I'm going to go meet some people. Sweet. You guys meet each other. It's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much, Ben. You're welcome. And folks, it has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening to Radio Drama Revival. This episode is over. Give us the tweets and the toots on Twitter. We're at Radio Drama. You can also find us on Facebook and Tumblr, and you can always email me at david at radiodramarevival.com. At our website, you can find our show's fantabulous archive. And if you're a producer, I want to hear your work. Submit at radiodramarevival.com. If you're strolling by our website, consider putting some dollars in the old tip jar. Bandwidth ain't free, lovers. The old new sound of electro swing pulsing in your ears was produced by DJ Stranger Danger out of beautiful Oakland, California. This track is called Danger Digidoo. You can find Stranger Danger on SoundCloud, and I really recommend you do. The show this week was produced by yours truly with production assistance from Monique Boudreau and Heather Cohen. Our line producer is Matthew Boudreau. Our executive producer is Fred Greenhouch. I'm David Reinstrom. Goodbye, and happy listening. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.